Topics that concern your life, your community, and your safety. This is 5-0-Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Here's what you need to know. So as of uh, the end of November, we were down 14% on our homicides. And another, I think, very important number is our non-fatal shootings. Uh, we were down 18%. Uh, of our, in our non-fatal shootings, which are, are truly failed homicides. Hello and welcome to the Phoenix 50 Info Show. I'm your host, Lieutenant Vince Lewis of the Phoenix Police Public Affairs Bureau. Once again, we're coming to you from police headquarters in downtown Phoenix, and I'm joined today by a new co-host. <laughs> we're not getting rid of Rob, but we are welcoming back one of my favorite co-hosts, PIO Sergeant Phil Krinsky. Welcome back. Thank you very much for having me back today. Absolutely. Hey, uh, we're going to talk today about a recent interview that Chief Sullivan did with the ABC News. Uh, it's with their national show. Uh, the interesting point that they were making was that uh, this has been the largest or the second largest one-year decline in crimes, violent crimes, homicides specifically, across the board, across a lot of major cities. They're talking about a 13% drop compared to 2022 which equated by the math, according to the article, about 2,000 fewer homicide victims. This national decline across cities of every size. What do you think about that, Phil? I mean, I think it goes to show to the policies they've been enacting. These new teams have really been really hammering down and getting these criminals off the street. Because as we know, majority of the people committing these types of crimes, is, it's really a small percentage of the population. So I yeah. think they've been doing great. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, we're looking at a list, you and I, about some of these cities. Help me go through some of these larger major cities and just talk about their percent declines. Uh, well, here's the top of the list is New York City. It looks like they're down 11%. Uh, Los Angeles is at 16%. Um, so, but, uh, as we're going down, we're, we're right there. We're at 15%. So it's, it's definitely there. And I, and I know the numbers are just getting better. Yeah. Philadelphia is the next size city and we battle for them. Uh, we battle for fifth, sixth place with them. As far as major cities go, they're down 21%. So good on them. San Antonio's on the list and they're going to be, uh, visiting us during the NCAA final four because they'll host the next men's basketball tournament. So that, that still got stood out in my mind that we saw them there, but so uh, we want to talk about uh, why, why behind this? Uh, what is the why behind this? The cities say the 2023 drop in homicides and other violent crimes can be attributed to expanded efforts to prevent crime. And according to the article, including working with community volunteers, targeting gun possession in high crime areas and placing officers on foot and bike patrols. Uh, a lot more community involvement, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's something that's like the public, it's our eyes and our ears. So it's, it's important to have them involved, but also reaching out to them when we need that help. Yeah. And they, they've really been responding and that, that attributes to the, uh, the numbers. That's great. So let's, let's see what the chief had to say about what this might be able, what we might attribute this to. A number of things, uh, but first and foremost, it's, uh, it's our community. Public safety is a team sport. And one of the most important components is community and making sure that the community is engaged. Uh, we're a department of 3,000 folks uh, that do this work. Uh, we're a population of over 1.6 million people here in Phoenix. So uh, without the community support, we would not be able to drive down crime. So we've been very intentional on how we've engaged the community over the last year to help support uh, what we do. Uh, in addition to that, we've uh, put together strategy as a leadership team, make sure that we have a crime plan that the men and women out there doing this work uh, have direction and know what our focus is. And our crime plan was focused on those most active areas, the most violent people. Uh, we wanted to focus on violent people who had warrants 
And then finally, prohibited possessors, those people who carry firearms who, should, who have lost that right. Uh, we know that if we focus on those areas, we're going to see reductions, and we did this year. Engaging with the community is exactly what you were talking about, right? But having that direction, we were going over the crime plan and the direction that the chief gave the commanders. He put it in the hands of commanders. Remember when we were talking about the crime plan and kind of customizing it to the area? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 targeting those hot spots. It's going after those major offenders, uh, going after those violent crimes, and that's what our non-fatal shoot teams have been doing. So uh, it's it's obviously uh, the the results are showing how well this is done. So a problem that we see in well, I don't want to say problem, but I mean it's a it's definitely an issue that we're dealing with. Uh, guns. We're in the Southwest. Arizona has different gun laws than some of the other states. You and I probably, well, I grew up here and I know you, you from the Southwest as well. So guns, it's kind of prevalent. It's something that we deal with as officers out on the street. We, uh, you know, we're not necessarily thinking the worst of people, but we're assuming that people are armed because in most cases when they haven't had their rights taken away, they're allowed to be, right? Of course. And it's, it's, it's awareness, you know, but it's also awareness of the laws and when you can and cannot have them. But again, once it's in those people that shouldn't have guns, and, and I know that's what this plan was focusing on, is getting those guns out of people that shouldn't have them. So the chief also mentioned the importance about gun seizures. When we talk about gun seizures, we need to be careful. Uh, I know as a uh, police chief, you can have a gun seizure that uh, where you seize two or 300 guns with one incident. Uh, so that's not necessarily indicative. You need to get a little bit nuanced in that. And it's those those guns that you take off the street, uh, like we did during our our, our summer. Uh, we had a couple different uh, operations that we did. Uh, Operation Summer Shield, which was, was a warrant roundup that we did. Uh, multi-agency, we involved federal and other local agencies in the Valley, uh, picked up over 580 uh, people who had warrants on them. And 70% of those folks uh, were, were, were for felonies. Uh, I think we seized over 40 guns from those prohibited possessors. Uh, you know, so operations like that and then strategies like putting people who are detectives and, and putting them back on the street during the summer to help surge staffing during times that we have challenges with staffing uh, are, are some other things that we've done that has been uh, very important in, in helping us control uh, the, the homicide number this year. So close to 600 arrests with the Operation Summer Shield. That was incredible. Uh, and, and that's in the midst of a staffing uh, issue that we're struggling with that a lot of departments are struggling with. I don't know if it's a sign of the times, if it's just how things have just kind of come up that that's where we are. I know that there's a lot of opinion and reasons as to why. Staffing is the way that it is. I'm grateful for those who continue to sign on to do the job because they want to do the right thing. All of us want to do the right thing. That's why we're looking for different ways, outlets to help contribute to the community um, uh, shared responsibility of fighting crime. While we're setting precedent for these reductions in crime stats, we're, we experienced a global event that set a new precedent for all of us, and that was the pandemic, the COVID pandemic between 2019 and 21, and we're still suffering from the effects of that. And the question came up, do we think that COVID had something to do with the reduction in numbers because of the lower staffing or maybe fewer people were out interacting, maybe fewer crime was going on? And Chief Sullivan was asked, do you think uh, COVID had an effect on those numbers, bringing them down? I don't think you can discount the effect that COVID had on the, the criminal justice system. Courts shut down. Uh, you know, that's a significant uh, challenge that we faced 
uh, over the last couple of years. And I think those courts have now come into full operation. Police departments are operating at, at full activity. And like I spoke earlier, that community input, that community engagement uh, is much easier when you're not doing it on a Zoom call, when we're having face-to-face -face meetings with community and, and really being able to build that trust. Chief Sullivan has always talked about the importance of community engagement, and he likens it to you know placing uh, credits in the bank, basically, because there's going to be a, come a, a time or a place when we need to call on the community for their support. Am I right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's why we keep them informed. Yeah, let's hear what he had to say. Yeah, when I talk about community engagement, it, you put a lot of uh, deposits in the bank uh, before people trust enough to, to be able to give us the information to close crimes. And, you know, being able to make those deposits in the bank are a lot easier when we're doing it face to face, which we've been very intentional as a department, uh, being able to, to get out there and, and engage with our community. And, and that's what we've been doing over the last year. We have sworn staff. We have professional staff. It's essentially, we used to call them civilian staff, but really they are our professional staff. They're not the gun-toting, badge-wearing uh, frontline blues, but they do a lot of important, very important, specific professional skills that they bring to bear. They are representative of the community the same way that we are, and that's why they're so important. And Chief talks a little bit about uh, how they play into it. Absolutely. I think it indicates community trust. Uh, I also think it... It, it, uh, it talks about the men and women who do this work. Uh, when we talk about professional staff, uh, crime scene analysts, uh, detectives, and the initial responding officers, all those things have to come together to, to make sure that you have a high clearance rate. Phil, I know you're familiar with the non-fatal shoot team, right? Absolutely. So, but you're also familiar with the, some of the tactics that they use um, in the, st the statistics and the data that they use for analysis, right? Correct. Yeah. So, and one of the things that I love is when we bring in uh, analytics and when we bring data uh, specific experts to come and take a look at, at what we collect and make sense of it and helps us direct our focus. Chief also talked about that. We have crime analysts that, that use all types of data, including our CAD data, uh, to, to be able to help us direct uh, where our officers are. We want to be data driven as we do this. You know, another, I think, very important thing that we've included over this last year is our non-fatal shoot team. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier that, that non-fatal shootings are really just failed homicides. So making sure that we investigate those to the fullest, if we can hold those people accountable, uh, many times those victims uh, are suspects the next day, you know, but being able to intervene and, and make sure those folks are held accountable uh, is very important, and we've seen success with that non-fatal shoot team. So do you think there's anything as far as that the chief talked about, the exec staff, and looking ahead and learning from our past? Yeah, I think there's always room for improvement. He tells us that we are self-reflective, and we are going to come up with the the solutions that we think are best also with what we're learning from the experts and the community as well. So he, he did talk a little bit about that. I've had the executive team along with the commanders, really take a look at what we've done over this last year and how we can improve what we've done over this last year. That's what I expect. That's what the community expects us to be able to do and make sure we give uh, the, the people that work for us the guidance uh, that they need to go out and do the incredibly difficult work that they do and then continue to, to engage community because community is that key component uh, to be able to keep crime down. 
Yeah, he said it again, community. I, I think it's important enough to know that we are not the only ones that are out there making neighborhoods safe when we have such a great partnership with the people who not only call us, but give us the information and expect a certain performance out of us, right? Of course. That's why we're all here. And and really, they are our best cheerleaders as well. So it's it's great to hear from them, both when we're doing things right, but also when we need that help. So the chief, I think he might have been asked, hey, what's the secret to this crime reduction? I don't think it's anything that that is is any sort of uh, secret. Uh, you have to involve your community. You have to have good community engagement to, for them to trust us enough to be able to give us information, uh, to be able to close crimes. Uh, you have to have a, a strategy. And that's what uh, we would expect from our police departments to have a good strategy. But then you have to have the women and men who can go out and execute that strategy. That's what we have here at the Phoenix Police Department. And uh, I believe that's that's a recipe for su- success. So, and that's that's really the importance of a community engagement. It, it's really reaching out to them, having them to have a vessel to be able to speak to us, to get us information, using silent witness also for people that have information, just don't necessarily want to be identified. Um, so I think all these components has helped us have this, really this recipe for, for success. Uh, I, I think we're going to keep going on with that. And, and I know that's where our efforts are pointed towards. So there's constant engagement, not only at the precinct level, but also at the executive level, because I know in this environment, our execs are making themselves much more available. They're attending community meetings. They're going to listening sessions. We're trying to set those things up. So if you want to do that, reach out to us and we can help uh, administer a community listening session, wouldn't you think? Oh, absolutely. And it's not just in the aspects of crime. It's also how we're running the department. Uh, we have opportunities for members of the community to, to really give some advice or their opinions in regards to policy. So uh, I definitely recommend people take advantage of that. Perfect. So look for those opportunities online. Engage with us on social media. We definitely want to hear what the community has to say. So I want to thank you, Phil, my uh, co-host, Sergeant PIO Sergeant Phil Krensky, for joining me. I want to thank you, the listener. Thank my producer, Pablo. And as always, you can help fight crime in your community, potentially earn a cash reward, and remain completely anonymous by sending tips to Silent Witness. Visit silentwitness.org and call 480-WITNESS. Visit us at phoenix.gov police and follow us on all social media platforms. And until next time, remember, we're all in this together. You've been listening to 5-0 Info on Arizona's news station, KTAR News 92.3 FM. For more about Silent Witness, go to silentwitness.org. That's silentwitness.org. Or call 480-WITNESS. That's 480-948-6377.